is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Um, and, and as I read through this about George Mueller, I, I, I also was reminded of a book that many of you probably have read called The Knowledge of the Holy. Um, anybody ever read The Knowledge of the Holy by Tozer? If you haven't, I would highly recommend reading uh, that book. It's very good. It's good. Uh, just, um, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that will kind of like mentally make you stumble through the expanse of God and uh, the greatness of God, uh, but also help understand ourselves um, in an infinite way, or in a finite way, sorry. Um, so I'm going to read the first uh, page, part of the first page of this book, um, and his chapter one is titled, Why We Must Think Rightly About God. So it ties in very well with what Piper is bringing out of George Mueller's life here. Um, but Tozer writes this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So think about that for a second. And just the clarity that it is, any person you know in your life, believer, unbeliever, uh, wherever you know them, work, recreation, whatever, uh, if you knew exactly what they believed about God would probably be the most revealing thing to you about that person, right? How they make decisions. What are their disciplines? What are their tendencies? What are their habits in life? What are their values? Um, so he goes on and says, the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entail, entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is, uh, let me read that again. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. That's pretty, that's pretty good. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that, compose, that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. Just as her most significant message is what she says about him or leaves unsaid. For her silence is often more eloquent than her speech, she can never escape the self-disclosure of her witness concerning God. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. And so when, when, I, when I read about George Mueller here from, from Piper, and what he's really trying to uh, expose and highlight and emphasize uh, about Mueller uh, really connected well with that. So, um, so again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of walk through uh, this timeline. This is a, a website called Mueller's.org. So again, I did not create this. I'm using somebody else's work here. 
uh, for what I like to say efficiency sake. Um, and, and some things are on here that we won't talk about, and, and we'll kind of jump around a little bit um, and come back to some things twice. But, um, but as we go through it and, and discuss Mueller and what he did and accomplished and who he was, um, keep this in mind. It's how, this, this is what he's, Piper's concerned with, how do we get and keep our happiness in God? Okay, and... Uh, so let me go back to the beginning here, and, and we'll start out and look at, at Mueller. Uh, so he was born in, in Kropenstadt, Prussia, um, in 1805. And what's, you know what else is nice uh, versus last week is I didn't have to put these dates on here. So I'm not getting my 16s and my 15s mixed up. And it's all in one century. So, you know, it's from 1805 to the end, 1898, and, and that's, that makes it a lot easier. So... Um, so just to show you, uh, this is, uh, that red dot is where Koppenstedt is today. Uh, at the time, it would have been what was known as Prussia. Um, there was, uh, you know, some, some uh, uh, divisions and changes that went over the course of, of the years, but that's about where uh, that is. And... Uh, Piper really starts off in, in saying that, uh, you know, he, he died when he lived 92 years, um, saw the Great Awakening of 1859, which uh, led to the conversion of hundreds of thousands. He did follow-up work for D.L. Moody, preached for Charles Spurgeon, and inspired the missionary faith of Hudson Taylor. And so, um, even though he spent most of his life in England, in Bristol, England, uh, pastoring a church there, um, he... He experienced quite a bit because of a 17-year stint of travel around the world uh, when he turned 70. And uh, so, so Piper says that this church that he led in England um, was kind of an independent, pre-millennial, Calvinistic Baptist church that celebrated the Lord's Supper weekly and admitted non-baptized people into membership. So um, pretty unconventional for the day. He, he says that that's typical of Mueller's life um, in, in most of the things he, he did and uh, quotes A.T. Pe uh, Pearson um, as, as saying that Mueller devised large and liberal things for the Lord's cause. Um, so one of the biggest things that was, uh, that's notable for George Mueller um, is that he founded this organization called the Scripture Knowledge Institution for Home and Abroad um, in 1834. And we'll see this in just a minute. Um, I guess I could go ahead and skip down there now. Just to keep on track. And um, is this going to let me move up and down? Yeah, there we go. Okay, perfect. Oh, easy now. Sorry, I'm using a... What is this thing called, David? A, a screen... Capture or connect or something. So, we, strangely enough, I'm controlling David's screen, not my own. Uh, so, this uh, organization really had five what Mueller called objects or missions, what we would call five missions. Um, one is uh, schools for children and adults to teach Bible knowledge. Bible distribution was a second. Third was book and tract distribution. Fourth was missionary support. And fifth 
to board, clothe, and, and scripturally educate destitute children who have lost both parents by death. And there's a, um, there's a YouTube, uh, you can catch the sermon, really, that this chapter comes from, Piper. Uh, and he's, he's, it's not a video, but he's talking through it. And he adds some additional things that the book, that this chapter doesn't uh, necessarily. He emphasizes in different ways things that, that are, are in here as well as not. But that's one thing that he really emphasizes is that it wasn't just any orphan. Um, at the time in England, there were um, children living in the streets, in the workhouses. Um, conditions were very poor um, for children at this time. There were uh, lots of children in jail. Um, and so there was a basic need there, but it wasn't just anybody. That, that Mueller was very specific. It had to be uh, a child that both parents um, had died, and, um, and he, he took them in. So um, I'm going to read some accomplishments of all five branches that Mueller wrote um, as of May 1868. So he started it in 1834, and in, by 1868, this is what he uh, recalls. Above 16,500 children or grown-up persons were taught in the various schools, entirely supported by the institution. More than 44,500 copies of the Bible and above 40,600 New Testaments and above 20,000 other smaller portions of the Scriptures in various languages were circulated from the formation of the institution up to May 26, 1868. And about 31 millions of tracts and books, likewise in several languages, were circulated. 31 million, that's a lot. There were likewise, from the commencement, missionaries assisted by the funds of the institution, and of late years, more than 120 in number. On this object alone, 76,137 pounds were expended from the beginning up to May 26, 1868, um, which I, I tried to do some conversion on this. I don't know how accurate this is going to be, but uh, I came up with about $1.5 million. Um, is that 76 pounds in 1868 to today in dollars? Uh, also, 2,412 orphans were under our care, and five large houses at an expense above 110,000 pounds were erected for the accommodations of 2,050 orphans. And that figure, the 110,000, by the same conversion I did, um, came out to about $2.2 million for uh, those, those orphan houses. Uh, so notice, just to say that he had, at, at this time, 2,412 uh, under their care, but only accommodations of 2,050. <laughs> um, with regard to spiritual results, Eternity alone can unfold, uh, unfold them, yet even so far as we have already seen fruit, we have abundant cause for praise and thanksgiving. And so, um, so he built these five large houses, cared for over 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. When he started in 1834, there were accommodations for about 3,600 kids or orphans in England, total, in all of England. Um, and twice that many children were under eight were, were in prison. So 3,600, there were accommodations for orphans. There was twice that many number under the age of eight in prison. Uh, one of the greatest effects of Mueller's ministry 
was to inspire others so that 50 years after Mueller began his work, um, at least 100,000 or, uh, orphans were cared for in England alone. So not only from his work, but inspiring others to do the same um, led to a, a big change in England for orphans. Um, so let me skip down here to uh, 1875. Um, he did have a, uh, the opportunity to, um, like I said, travel the world um, at 1875. So that would make him how old? 70 years old. He starts out on his missionary journeys around the world. Uh, he visited uh, 42 ca- uh, countries. And this is pretty amazing at 70 years old, 70 to, when he was 70 to, 80 se- to 87 years old, he went on this, on this uh, missionary journey that he dreamed of all his life. He uh, preached three times a week uh, from 1830 to 1898. And so uh, Piper figures at least 10,000 times he preached during his ministry from 1830 to 1898. Um, went to uh, 42 countries, preaching an average of once a day on that journey and addressing some 3 million people um, while he was on it. Uh, from the end of his travels in 1892 to his death, he preached uh, at his church and uh, ministered at, at the organization with the orphans. Um, when he died, he wrote, or not too long before, not when he died, he wrote, uh, not too long before he died, uh, he wrote, I have been able every day and all the day to work and with that, and that with ease um, as 70 years since. So, um, he, uh, he, he led a very active life the entire time. Um, Piper records that, uh, you know, he led a prayer evening one, one evening at his church, and the next morning somebody went to bring him some tea, and, and he was just found on the floor. So um, it wasn't that, uh, even though he did have some health uh, problems at one point, uh, we'll look at him, and he got very sick. Um, it was really just passed away of old age. Um, any... Uh, Thoughts or questions or comments at this point? Um, Let me go back up here to uh, 1830. He was married twice. Um, There we go. Um, First to Mary Groves. Um, They were married 39 years. Um, They were married when he was 25. And he married Susanna Sanger when he was uh, 66. So 25, first wife, uh, 66, uh, second marriage. And he was married for 39 years to Mary and uh, 23 years to Susanna, who passed away before he did. Um, He had uh, four children by Mary, but two of them are stillborn. One son, Elijah, died when he was a year old, and Mueller's daughter, Lydia, Ended up marrying James Wright, who succeeded Mueller as the head of the institution. Um, she died in 1890 at 57 years of age. Um, just five years later, Mueller lost his second wife, um, Susanna. So he outlived his family um, at 92 years of age, and he was left alone, Piper says, with his Savior, his church, and 2,000 children. Um, 
he preached both of the, uh, his wife's funerals. And, uh, and this is where Piper really starts to um, use a lot of what Mueller wrote in, in his own words to uh, go down this road of being satisfied in God alone, um, finding our happiness in God alone. And uh, it's difficult to um, imagine that, uh, that a person has kind of this filter um, that they go by, but uh, you'll see as, as we read some of this from, from Mueller himself. So um, about, about Mary's, uh, being married to, uh, to Mary, his first wife, he says, were we happy? Verily we were. With every hour our happiness increased more and more. I never saw my beloved wife at any time when I met her unexpectedly anywhere in Bristol without being delighted so to do. I never met her even in the orphan houses without my heart being delighted so to do. Day by day, as we met in our dressing room at the orphan houses to wash our hands before dinner and tea, I was delighted to meet her, and she was equally pleased to see me. Thousands of times I told her, my darling, I never saw you at any time since you became my wife without my being delighted to see you. Um, And so uh, I, I think that not only does this show just their relationship, but also uh, again, his happiness with the Lord comes out in their, um, in their relationship. He said whenever she uh, found out about her rheumatic fever uh, diagnosis that uh, he said, my heart was nigh to be broken on account of the depth of my affection. Um, and then he said, uh, 20 minutes after four on the Lord's Day, February 6, 1870, Mary died. I fell on my knees and thanked God for her release and for having taken her to himself and ask the Lord to help and support us. And, uh, and, and so I'm going to read this portion. This uh, Piper really highlights as the key to his life. It says, The last portion of Scripture which I read to my precious wife was this, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now if we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we talked about this, I mentioned this briefly last week, uh, with Her- Herbert and his poems, and and how people around here even have said in the past, like when we're talking about decisions that we make and how we live, if we really believed, right? If we really believe what God says, and so catch that. Now, if we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have received grace. We are partakers of grace, and to all such, He will give glory. Also, I said to myself with regard to the latter part, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I am in myself a poor, worthless sinner, but I have been saved by the blood of Christ, and I do not live in sin. I walk uprightly before God. Therefore, if it is really good for me, my darling wife will be raised up again, sick as she is. God will restore her again. But if she is not restored again, then it would not be a good thing for me. And so my heart was at rest. I was satisfied with God, and all this springs, as I have often said before, from taking the Lord, taking God at his word, believing what he says. And so um, this is kind of a a pivotal point in the chapter where um, Piper gives kind of a a synopsis of the things that he just said. He said, Um, of his remarkable life, these beliefs, his unshakable convictions, 
Uh, I am in myself a poor, worthless sinner. I have been saved by the blood of Christ. I do not live in sin. God is sovereign over life and death. If it is good for her and for me, she will be restored again. If it is not, she won't. My heart is at rest. I am satisfied with God. So pretty powerful words on uh, you know, finding this uh, diagnosis um, and just before his wife died. Um, so, so this is what I say, uh, and I'll give you kind of a, an illustration that happened this couple of weeks. Um, so I help our, one of our advisors with all of our 401ks. We had this prospect that she said, look, I want to know, and she sent us this email with questions that like um, paralleled my MBA. I mean, they were tough questions. Looking for all this data, um, and so we were kind of knocking our heads trying to figure out all, you know, where to find all this information for her to answer her questions. And so basically she was saying, you know, does, does having a match in a 401k plan uh, increase participation in the plan? That's what she wanted to know, basically. And, but she wanted all the data behind it to, to support that. And so really what we had to tell her was, look, we see this correlation in all of the research, what little there is, but... We see this correlation where uh, plans that have a match have increased participation. So with here, that's kind of what we see. There's not really a way here to quantify what we're talking about, right? But as we, as we believe God in his word, we see a life of proven and visible faith. And that's what uh, Mueller was so adamant about in his life, so focused on in his life, was being a picture, a visible representation of God's faithfulness and his uh, real answer to prayer. Um, so that's what the Mueller's whole life was about. And so um, Piper kind of talks about, from, his, from Mueller's, Mueller's own words, why he started the orphanages. And so he says... Uh, the, the three chief reasons for establishing an orphan house are, one, uh, that God may be glorified should he be pleased to furnish me with the means in its being seen that it is not a vain thing to trust him and that thus the faith of his children may be strengthened. A second reason, the spiritual welfare of fatherless and motherless children. Very practical. And third, their temporal, temporal welfare. So really, what Piper uh, brings out is that like, it wasn't really so much about the orphans. I mean, it was, but it really wasn't. And so Mueller decided to come up with these orphan houses and, and um, take care of these orphans for the sole purpose of making sure that Christians see that God is faithful and that he can be trusted in his word for what he says um, and that he answers prayer faithfully. So um, I, I, I leave this here uh, on, on Mary's uh, picture because whenever he uh, got married and they started their uh, pastoral ministry in Bristol, um, they decided not to take a salary. Like a month into it, they said, you know, we're not going to have a salary. We're just going to trust in the Lord and, and put it that, that he is sovereign over people's hearts. He can direct them where they, where they will, and, and they'll give to our needs. Uh, because he is faithful. And so, you know, being a, uh, being a husband and a father, I don't know that I would take that same stance. 
uh, myself. That's a, that's a pretty big step, <laughs> pretty big step to take. Um, but they were both, you know, kind of in on the deal and agreed that's the way they would go. Um, so he also writes this. He says it seemed best. It seemed to me best done by the establishing of an orphan house. Um, it needed to be something which could be seen, even by the natural eye. Now, if I, a poor man, simply by prayer and faith, obtained, without asking any individual, the means for establishing and carrying on an orphan house, there would be something which, with the Lord's blessing, might be instrumental in strengthening the faith of the children of God, besides being a testimony to the consciences of the unconverted, of the reality of the things of God. This, then, was the primary reason for establishing the orphan house. The first and primary object of the work was, and still is, that God might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under my care are provided with all they need only by prayer and faith without anyone being asked by me or my fellow laborers, whereby it may be seen that God is faithful still and hears prayers still. Uh, so along those lines... Uh, he could probably be used and taken to, to be, um, to be uh, given as a lesson for financial transparency and accountability. Um, if, you, if you look at some other resources, Piper doesn't go into that so much, but um, meticulously kept records every year, would send out these reports about um, their donations, um, and uh, sometimes anonymously, sometimes it was uh, named, but... Um, a very good lesson to be learned there as well. Um, so that was the chief passion and unifica- uh, unifying aim of, of Mueller's ministry was to live a life, lead a ministry in a way that proves God is real, uh, that God is trustworthy, and that God answers prayer. Um, so along these lines, uh, we get into this um, discussion in the, in the chapter Piper does about uh, what Mueller believed about, about faith, uh, about his display of faith, and what people would um, perceive him as um, in his faith and, and the strength of it. And so he's, he's very adamant in his life to write that he does not have the gift of faith um, as opposed to just the grace of faith. And so... Um, Instead of reading what Mueller writes here, I think I can just explain that um, when we take the, the list of gifts in 1 Corinthians, that the gift of faith is one of those, and, and he's really adamant in his lifetime that he does not have this gift because he doesn't want people to, 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 um, to, to be able to remove themselves uh, from accountability of trusting God. And so if, if he had this special gift... Um, that, that, that other people didn't have, then it was just like, oh, well, you know, that's just Mueller, right? He, he can do that because he has the gift of faith. So he's very adamant in his lifetime to write and to, and to tell people, I do not have the gift of faith, I have the grace of faith, that, that God in his word gives us promises that we can trust and hold to and live by, and we as believers are all accountable to that same thing. Um, and so Piper goes into a little bit of that, um, are there any questions and thoughts as far as what I'm trying to communicate there? I don't want to really get too caught up in that, but. Did he say that we have grace and grace? 
Sure, yeah. And so, again, the, the big thing to take away from this is that he didn't want to be put up on a pedestal as having something special that other believers don't have. So we all have faith, by, it, which is a gift. He, he says it is a gift, but he's not talking about the specific, the specific spiritual gift of faith in 1 Corinthians. He's saying that we, as believers, have faith in God to believe his promises in his word, know his goodness and his sovereignty, and rely on him with all things. Yep. Any other thoughts, questions that help? Agreed. But is it, is him doing that, taking something, uh, taking belief in something that's not in Scripture for everybody? Yeah, and, and a little bit later I might come across it, but he, um, Piper quotes him as having, um, um, what's the word? He, he's grieved, um, Mueller is grieved about um, the way he sees believers, Christians, not holding to God's word, right? I mean, it grieved him to the core, um, which is one of the driving aspects of, of why he lived this way, is because he saw people um, not holding to God's promises, and, and they lived a life of uh, imprisonment, basically, right, to their own thoughts, their own beliefs about who God is and who he's not. Um, and so to, to, he, he wanted to live a life that, that displays who God says he is in his word, I can follow. Yeah, Blake. Well, I, yeah. Anything else? That's a good point. Yeah, I think as, as I think through just in general people's natural gifts, and, and I'm not even solely speaking on spiritual gifts, but it's some, some, sometimes similar where a lot of times people with a certain gift may overlook the fact that it is a gift, right? It just, it's, it, it comes so natural to them that they're like, doesn't everybody do this? Like, it's not, it's not something that really stands out to them. So that's why it's partly important that we as a community, as fellow believers and brothers and sisters can say, well, you know, that's pretty special, what you have and what you do, so that we all can see, oh, maybe what I think is just natural to everybody is not so natural to everybody. Um, that's, that's perfect. I'm sorry. That's really just that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, seeing the need there I think is important. Um, and, and I think sometimes there can be that question like, oh, wh- why am I the only one seeing this? Or why isn't anybody else doing something? Um, probably is an indication that, well, I'm seeing it for a reason, that I probably need to take action, all of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so um, I'm going to skip ahead here to uh, just show, uh, before we go a little bit back to his early days, um, this is a picture of his, uh, his funeral procession, procession in England. And uh, so, so to say that, you know, he wanted to impact people's lives, he certainly did that. Um, and uh, I, I, I can't remember where it talks in here, but there were, I mean, thousands of people lined, came out of their workshops, out of their schools. I mean, if you look at this, there's people like standing on a, uh, a ladder right here. Can you see that? Like trying to get a view. Uh, there's people up here on trolley cars. 
trying to get a view, all these people across uh, along the, the streets. And so um, he definitely had a profound impact on people's minds and hearts because, he would say, because he trusted in the Lord's sovereignty over their hearts, that the Lord can turn their hearts where, where he wills and um, believers and, and non-believers. So uh, pretty impactful there. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back here and uh, go back and let's look at his, uh, his life before being saved um, and look at how that happened. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when he was 14, um, in 1919, his mother passed away. Um, he uh, himself in his own writings say that he was not there when his mom passed away. He probably had very little feeling of loss when she passed away because he was out uh, robbing and gambling and drinking, um, that he was probably half drunk somewhere with his buddies when she passed away. So his uh, uh, life leading up to his conversion uh, was um, different than what we've talked about so far, right? I mean, it was a drastic conversion. And, um, and so Piper kind of goes, goes through this, that... Uh, um, he, two years after um, he, his mom passed away, he ends up in prison. Um, and his, his dad, who was not a believer, uh, purchased his way out of prison and uh, paid, paid the debt that he needed to pay and, and thought, you know what, this is enough of this. Um, we're going to send you off to study divinity uh, because that way you can become a priest somewhere and have a good paying salary. That was, that was kind of the, the thought of the day, right? Uh, the ministry, uh, being an ordained minister, is, is a good living. And so that's what we're going to do. No spiritual aspirations, no, right? Uh, he said at the University of Halle, where he went, um, Mueller recollected that out of the 900 students, maybe nine feared the Lord. So it was a common thing to pursue uh, the ministry for a good living during this, day, during this time. Um, and so... He, uh, the, this timeline goes a little bit more in, in detail than Piper, but uh, basically um, he, he gets invited to a Bible study um, once he uh, makes his way to, um, I, think, I think he's in Bristol already, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it is 1825, uh, he's, so he's 20 years old. And uh, maybe he's still at the university here, and, and he gets invited to this Bible study. And he, and he, he kind of writes about it like it was something that he didn't know he needed and wanted, but wanted like his whole life. So kind of weird. Um, and he, he uses that to talk about just how, and, you know, Piper too, of course, um, God's sovereignty in um, working into people's hearts and minds and um, drawing people to himself. And so he didn't really realize that he had been wanting this all along, and so he felt the desire to go. And so they, at the time, uh, preaching was outlawed where they were, so they couldn't, um, they couldn't speak uh, a sermon, so they read a sermon. They sang some songs, they prayed, and they read a sermon uh, to get around the law. And, uh, and he said, you know, I, I couldn't have described it then. Basically, this is what he said. I couldn't have described it then, but I was so happy, and I didn't even know why, right? And so 
So that uh, was a turning point in his life, being invited to this Bible study um, and, and, and hearing God's word. Um, and he, he mentions it as the turning point. But Piper uh, brings out a different, uh, a second turning point um, that would be um, Mueller's exposure to um, the sovereign goodness of God and the doctrines of grace. And so, um, so in, uh, I guess after his time at the, at the, the Divinity School, um, he goes to, uh, he goes to London um, to join the London Missionary Society, right? So he's moved by this change of heart uh, with the doctrines of grace, and he wants to, uh, to go into the mission field, so he goes to, to join the, the London Missionary Society, but um, really becomes um, a, a, a turnoff to him because of the thoughts of the day and, um, and how they do missions and going into debt if necessary and, and things like that. He was um, really opposed to a lot of their um, thoughts and approach, and so um, he also uh, became sick in the summer of 1829, and he went to um, a England town called Tinmouth. Tinmouth. I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, so that's the uh, the bottom here, and he uh, spends about ten days there, recovering from the sickness. And he's in a specific church there, recovering uh, of some kind. And there's a nameless man. Uh, Piper said he looked and looked and looked, could not find the, the name of this man um, who introduced Mueller to um, the doctrines of grace and, and had the most profound change on his life than anything else uh, to that point. And so um, he spends a few days there. He meets uh, a man um, that would become a friend, and they both go up to, um, to Bristol, which is up here in the, where this red dot is. That's where he'd spend the 60 plus years of ministry at, at Bristol and um, builds the orphanages and, and goes through that ministry there. Um, so so any, any, in his writings here, um, he goes through and, and just how um, the doctrines of grace impact his, his outlook on life and this idea of being completely satisfied in God through the scriptures. Lydia, do you have a question or a comment? Did you? I, I, sorry, I thought you were waving your hand at me. Hey, um, and so um, let me let me read about this from uh, from Mueller's words. Um, and this is talking about the the time he spent in Tinmouth with the nameless man. He says, before this period, I had been much opposed to the doctrines of election, particularly redemption and final. Pers- uh, persevering grace so much that a few days after my arrival at Tinmouth, I called election a devilish doctrine. I knew nothing about the choice of God's people and did not believe that the child of God, when once made so, was safe forever. But now I was brought to examine these precious truths by the word of God. And he goes on to say that, uh, that this had the most impact on, his, on, on the holiness of his behavior, is what Piper writes. Being made willing to have no glory of my own in the conversion of sinners, but to consider myself merely as an instrument, and being made willing to receive what the Scriptures said, 
I went to the Word, reading the New Testament from the beginning with a particular reverence to these truths. To my great astonishment, I found that the passages which speak decidedly for election and persevering grace were about four times as many as those which speak apparently against these truths, and even those few, shortly after, when I had examined and understood them, served to confirm me in the above doctrines. As to the effect which my belief in these doctrines had on me, I am constrained to state, for God's glory, that though I am still exceedingly weak, and by no means so dead to the lusts of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that I, as, I might, as I might, and as, as I ought to be, yet by the grace of God, I have walked more closely with Him since that period. My life has not been so variable, and I may say that I have lived much more for God than before. Um, anyone else? Uh, can they? Can you guys agree that that's kind of what you see in your own life as you learn about God in this in the doctrines of grace? Is that pretty consistent with what you've experienced in your own walk? Good job, Art. Um, So, uh, he says that for the first four years of his ministry while he was in Germany, after his uh, divinity school from 1825 to 1829 in Germany, um, his, his preaching was fruitless. And that's what he says. It was just, there's nothing happening. And so once he came to England, uh, learned about the doctrines of grace, he says, in the course of time, I came to this country and it pleased God then to show me the doctrines of grace in a way in which I had not seen them before. At first I hated them. If this were true, I could do nothing at all in the conversion of sinners as all would depend upon God and the working of his spirit. But when it pleased God to reveal these truths to me, and my heart was brought to such a state that I could say, I am not only content simply to be a hammer, an axe, or a saw in God's hands, but I shall count it an honor to be taken up and used by Him in any way. And if sinners are converted through my instrumentality, from my inmost soul, I will give Him all the glory. The Lord gave me to see fruit. The Lord gave me to see fruit in abundance. Sinners were converted by scores, and ever since, God had used, has used me in one way or another in his service. Um, so, so, the idea of God's sovereignty um, became the core of his life, became the core of his, his ministry, um, of his preaching, of his uh, work in the, in the orphanage and orphanages. Um, and so he, he relishes his confidence in God and, and gives God glory um, in giving up his regular salary. For one, he says, The gifts that have been given to me without one single individual having been asked by me for anything, the reason why I have refrained altogether from soliciting anyone for help is that the hand of God evidently might be seen in the matter, that thus my fellow believers might be encouraged more and more to trust in him. And that although, uh, and that also, those who know not the Lord may have a fresh proof that indeed it is not a vain thing to pray to God. And so then he goes in and talks about these reports uh, that they published for the uh, for the orphanages every year. 
Um, they would send these out. They went, they circulated the globe because his, his uh, ministry was known uh, globally. And so he kind of walks this fine line of, of being um, intentional about, about giving God the glory, um, about recognizing God for his sovereign work in the ministry. Uh, but he knows that, you know, a lot of his sharing that inspires others to give. Uh, but he never once um, or anyone else asked for uh, solicited donations specifically from, from any one person. Um, so in, in, our, in our few minutes we have here, um, let, me, uh, let me get back to what he starts to say about um, getting and keeping our, whole, our, our happiness in God. Um, let me make sure that what I'm skipping is going to be okay to skip because there's a lot of good stuff in here. So he calls, uh, he calls our happiness in God one of the most important things. Let me just uh, get this uh, in here as well. Um, and going back to, uh, to his wife um, and, and her death and his view on that, um, he says, the Lord never lays on us um, in the way of chastisement uh, that our state of heart makes needful so that while he, whilst he smites with one hand, he supports with the other. In the face of painful circumstances, he said, I bow. I am satisfied with the will of my heavenly Father. I seek, my perfect, I seek by perfect submission to his holy will to glorify him. I kiss continually the hand that has thus afflicted me. Um, and so I just, I, when I you know, read through this, I just have to stop and think, you know, when was the last time that I thought this way about my circumstances? Uh, when was the last, last time that I intentionally saw uh, rough times or tough times or affliction or adversity as God's sovereign hand in my life uh, to make him known and to make me know him more? Um, I think that's a good thing to take away from this morning. Um, as you think back on Sunday school today during the week, um, a good thing to ask ourselves um, he says, uh, about, uh, when he was about to lose a piece of property for the orphanage, he says, if the Lord were to take this piece of land from me, it would be only for the purpose of giving me a still better one. For our Heavenly Father never takes an earthly thing from his children, except he means to give them uh, something better instead. So, um, don't know that I could track that down biblically, uh, where that promise is made, but it's definitely a pretty refreshing thought and, and very resolved in his own mind, a confidence that he has in God's goodness. Um, so let, let me read this uh, as well. He's, he's, uh, when he's talking about his happiness in God and, and God, um, he, he starts, Piper starts to in, include this idea of happiness in God in God honoring self-denial and sacrifice and love um, that he sees in Mueller's life, and Mueller says we, we should begin the thing in a right way, just, just in general with things that he does in life. Um, he says we should begin the thing in a right way, aim after the right state of heart, uh, begin inwardly instead of outwardly. If otherwise, it will not last. We shall look back or even get into a worse state than we were before, but oh, 
how different if joy in God leads us to any little act of self-denial, how gladly do we do it then? And so, um, so in this idea of God honoring happiness uh, in God, uh, God honoring self-denial, uh, happiness in God, um, he, he gets to um, our kind of the main point here is how do we get and keep our happiness in God? So, so I would just say, um, you know, think on what, what struggles are you facing? What's been on your mind this week? Um, have you come into tragedy? Um, have, you, have you been down or tend to be down? Uh, have you faced depression? Um, do you face affliction physically, mentally, emotionally? Right? In these things, what is our, what is our framework biblically um, as we walk through these things? Also, if you've come into happiness, is it happiness in the thing or in happiness in God? We need to evaluate. Where is our happiness constantly? Um, if you're full of joy, if you're, if you're happy and fulfilled about something in your life now, is it becoming something more than God to you, to me, to us, right? Um, so so this, this idea of the happiness of God being supreme and important because it is a spring of sacrificial love that honors God, then the crucial question becomes, how do we get it and keep it? So this is Mueller's words. He says, but in what way shall we attain to this settled happiness of soul? How shall we learn to enjoy God? How obtain such an, Ill, an all-sufficient, soul-satisfying portion in him as shall enable us to let go the things of this world as vain and worthless in comparison. So I'm going to read this again. But in what way shall we attain to this settled happiness of soul? How shall we learn to enjoy God? How obtain such an all-sufficient, soul-satisfying portion in Him as shall enable us to let go the things of this world as vain and worthless in comparison, I answer, this happiness is to be obtained. You ready for your, your four-step, right? Uh, I answer, this happiness is to be obtained through the study of the Holy Scriptures. God has therein revealed himself unto us in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, so knowing God becomes the turnkey to being happy in God. We're not going to find it anywhere else. Um, he, he says, the more we know God, the happier we are. When we became a little acquainted with God, our true happiness commenced. And the more we became, become acquainted with him, the more truly happy we become. What will make us so exceedingly happy in heaven? It will be the fuller knowledge of God. And we have uh, just a couple minutes here, so we may not get any more comments or anything, but let me, uh, let me read this. Uh, this. When he was 71 years old, Mueller spoke to some younger believers, um, and, and this is what he said to him. He said, Now in brotherly love and affection, I would give a few hints to my younger fellow believers as to the way in which to keep up spiritual enjoyment. It is absolutely needful 
in order that ha- that happiness in the Lord may continue, that the scriptures may be that the scriptures be read regularly. These are God's appointed means for the nourishment of the inner man. Consider it and ponder over it. Especially we should read regularly through the scriptures consecutively and not pick out here and there a chapter. If we do, we remain spiritual dwarfs. I tell you so affectionately, for the first four years of my conversion, I made no progress because I neglected the Bible. But when I regularly read, through, read on through the whole with reference to my own heart and soul, I directly made progress. Then my peace and joy continued more and more. And so he's 70 here. He lived till he was, he's 71 here. He lived till he was 92. He said, now I have been doing this for 47 years. I have read through the whole Bible about 100 times, and I always find it fresh when I begin again. Thus, my peace and joy have increased more and more. Um, so I'll leave it there. Um, we have maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds for any last comments, thoughts? Uh, they were in Bristol. Um, the first one, I had a picture up at some point. Oh, no, I think it may be in here. Uh, would have been lower here. I think there's a picture of its first one. Almost. Sorry, there's a lag here in the screen connect. There it is. Oh. Right there. That was his first, number six, Wilson Street. That was his first, and it had about 30 uh, young girls in it, um, was his first orphanage. And then he went on to uh, purchase some land in Ashley Down. You can see right here there's a Mueller's and the George Mueller Museum. Uh, But when we, if this will let me back out, I don't know if it will. I'm trying to zoom in and out. But, But anyways, that's just north of Bristol is uh, um, this area of, of, what is it, Ashley Downs. So. Bristol, not London. He was in London for the, for the missions um, organization, then he left and never went back. All right, we're a little bit over now, so I think we'll dismiss. Thank you. David, can I just X out of this to get out of your connect?